So last week, and this is the first time in a while, I can't remember last time we had back-to-back weeks with shows. So hooray for us. We can, I was we hoping can... that Renee has like a Dan Levitard like rant for the Dodgers <laughs> prepared is the main reason I'm here. We're, we're, we're definitely going to tee up the top of the show here for Renee. Uh, we want to congratulate him on the Dodgers World Series victory. And I guess the first thing that we can touch on, I, I texted Renee during the game. I was watching the game pretty casually rooting for not uh, yeah casually rooting for the Dodgers they're not my favorite team but I, I I generally like the Dodgers and I have my friend Renee here with a obviously a strong rooting interest so I was rooting for the Dodgers and I'm watching Snell just mow the Dodgers down and my gut reaction when they pulled him was oh wow like th- this is good I, I'm, I'm happy that this is happening and I know that the smart the smart people say that this is how you should manage a pitching staff, especially the race pitching staff. So I, I checked in with Renee to see how he was feeling about it. And so we'll, we'll start there, Renee. T- talk to us about how you felt there, and then we'll follow you for a while here. Unfortunately. Right at the wrong time. We're, we're, we're a little stuck here with Renee. I think Renee's connection's not that strong. Um, so... I'm sure we'll have him back soon. <laughs> I, I, I was wondering that same thing. Why, why would you pull him? I mean, we threw Beckett when, when we had Beckett went two days rest and then he almost pitched a complete game. Yeah, that was, that was a generation ago though. So it reminded me, speaking of a generation ago, it reminded me of uh, when Pedro Martinez was pulled a bit, I guess a bit too late. In too game. late. That was, so that was the opposite against the Yankees back in, what was that? Oh, four, oh, three. Yeah, we've all we've all seen it happen. We've all seen it break both ways, depending on the decision that's made by this by the but was manager. Was he dealing? Was it a pitch count? Like, what? oh, he was. De- I mean, look, he's dealing. Blake Snell even the Cy Young last year, didn't he? he was, no, I mean, guy. I know he's a great pitcher, but I, was he in the moment getting like was he in trouble? He he, he had thrown seventy one pitches and and gave up. I think his second hit. He had yeah, also so he got back for a second. Right. Hit. Can you guys hear me? He yeah, had also struck out nine so of his first eighteen hitters. I'm sorry about that. He threw 71 pitches when they pulled him? 73, I thought. It was, I mean, I, I knew that they had lost it right then and there. I mean, uh, yeah, he was mowing them down. There's, there's no excuse to take an, a, a guy who's won a Cy Young award. I mean, what are they saving his arm for? You let your ace throw 150 pitches. Let him, let him go 120, 150 in that game. Absolutely. I, I mean, I would have ridden him until he died. Like, I, I mean, there, there's, I win or lose with that guy. Yeah, not, not with Nick Anderson, who had been. Uh, hit, I mean, he'd gotten killed the entire postseason. I was, What's I was very, very happy. There? What, is, what is the manager of, of the Rays saying? The man. Uh, so the Rays. Go ahead, Renee. He, he didn't want him to face the top of the lineup for the third time, but you know, uh, Snell is not your typical pitcher. He's got four great pitches that he dominates. You just switch up the way that you pitch the guys. I mean. He had struck out each one of the top three Dodger hitters twice each. I mean, it's yeah, not like he, we hadn't done anything against him. He had nine. He had nine strikeouts through eighteen batters, and and again, the, like Renee said, the top most of those strikeouts, six of those nine strikeouts were of the the top three hitters for the Dodgers. He he had them off balance and just looking ridiculous the whole night that he was in there. I mean, he truly is one of the best pitchers in the game. I don't know how you don't like like Randy said. We rode you know fifteen twenty years ago. We rode Josh Beckett until the wheels fell off and. Blake Snell is better than Josh Beckett was at that time. I mean, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. 70, 70 something's pitches. You don't do that in a regular season game. Um, I mean, and I guess Renee, I'm very happy for you, but wow. So wow. to, to defend, to defend his manager, I mean, the, the, the Rays were known all season for, 
for for doing this with their staff. They have they don't let their guys go long. They have a a deep bullpen with a bunch of guys who throw gas. Snell had a 1.97 ERA through four innings this year, and after four innings, his ERA was 14.5. So that is the answer. But again, I think I've heard a lot of people say this over 162 games, that might be the smart way to manage. But when you're in game six of a world series down three, two with, with, you know, you need the game to win. It's as must win a game as you'll ever have. And you have a guy pitching like that. You, that's where you've got to make a judgment call. You got to make I mean, a judgment call. I understand the stat of, of the ERA, the third time through the lineup. But I mean, if, if that's the case, then just have a quick hook. Let the guy give up a hit. Let the guy give up a, a get, let him give up a run before you decide that he's lost it. I mean, the only chance you have of beating the Dodgers is with a lefty. If you even in the postseason, if you analyze the games they lost, it was against Freed. It was against uh, the other Rays. Win was Snell. I mean, it, if you have, I mean, there's no righty out there that has a chance of beating the Dodgers. Uh, if you have uh, arguably the best lefty or one of a handful of best lefties in the game, I mean, wh- what are you what are you waiting for? What other weapon are you going to throw that you think is? Yeah, I think we I think we lost Renee again, but we we got the gist of what he's saying. Uh, it, it just and, and I don't think it's a second guess because I think most people watching the game at the moment it happened felt the same way. Oh, I think yeah. Do- Dodgers fans like Renee were happy that it was happening, and I haven't heard from Rays fans. But I imagine they were they were pretty nervous with that decision in the moment. I mean, and I, it, as a neutral spectacular, I was I was screaming at my TV. What do you? I mean, and again, I was rooting for the Dodgers just because of Renee. But as a casual fan, I'm screaming, "What are you doing? This is this is it. This is Game Six of the World Series. It's do or die." I that's something that I will never get over, and I think the Rays franchise is not going to get over for a very long time. So Renee, let's hear the rant now. Like, how are you feeling, man? It, it really does feel surreal. I mean, I uh, my son is in sixth grade now, and the last time the Dodgers won, I was in sixth grade. <laughs> and I mean, I, I've watched uh, all of the highlights from '88 year after year after year, every year thinking we're going to win and we have a chance. And you know, especially the last seven when they've been stacked. I mean, it, just what a relief. I mean, I, I I almost feel as if I was part of the franchise. Like, I mean, I I couldn't <laughs> sleep, but it was more out of relief. You know, it's still now when I see the highlights. I'm... I wonder yeah. if there's been a day since that. I mean, there's probably not a day anyway that Renee doesn't wear Dodgers stuff. But if there's been a day since the championship that he hasn't worn anything from the Dodgers. No, no. every single day. Every... <laughs> well, have, have you heard that people are giving LeBron credit for the Dodgers championship? <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a Dodger fan. He's the inspiration they needed. Yeah, clearly he got, he got them over the top. He's yeah, he's he's a leader. They they followed him into the yeah, promised pretty, land. Pretty amazing that both LA teams uh, went to six games against Florida teams that shouldn't have been there. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> I mean, at least according to the media. I mean, we all had faith in the. Game, Say what you want about baseball, but this is uh, this is a Miami show. We're not we're not disrespecting the Heat on this show. The people who really lost is the media, man. They could have had two postseasons in LA and and South Florida during the the these months. They had to sit and watch from home. By the way, uh, talking about someone sitting at home watching something, the best part of the Dodgers winning the World Series this week was that every member of the Houston Astros was was at home watching it happen. 
I don't think I've ever rooted for a team that I is not my team more than I have for this year's Dodgers. First of all, as I said at the beginning of the season, they'd win, and I was right, which I like that. But uh, more importantly, when your boss is a big Dodger fan, you know that it's always good if they win, and then he's happy, and then good things happen, and <laughs> the boss man's happy. On, on a serious note, I just felt like it would be perfect, you know, perfect justice for a team that got hosed by the Astros. You guys know how I feel about that, and and welcome back to all of you. Couple of you I haven't seen in a while, Randy. I haven't seen mm-hmm. you in a bit, but uh, but certainly Thank it's you. good to have you guys Thank back on the air, even if it's through Zoom. But uh, congratulations, Renee, to your Dodgers. I thought Thank of you. you first, for sure, for sure. I thought of you first. And thank you for joining us, Larry. Larry the amigo with the cameo here. Th- thank you. <laughs> it's good to hear from you, Larry. So yeah, oh, I mean, Joe Kelly. They couldn't even use him. I mean, he's uh, his highlight is going to be just drilling Astros this year because I mean he's just gotten to the point you, you can't even use him. He he earned his ring. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the lip the lip was worth it. Cheers to that. Yeah, that lip was that that lip was memorable. He yeah he he made a real impression in a short season where he didn't play much in the playoffs. <laughs> so Renee, what's the what's the outlook for next year? Are there any? like big free agents out there that we don't know about just because this has been such a weird season. This is going to be a really historically weird off season leading up to labor strife at the end of next year. If you've noticed, if you've been watching um, the transactions, every single team is basically declining every club option on every player. So guys like Ryan Braun, um, uh, I mean, all sorts of guys, uh, options have been declined and you're going to have probably another hundred players that are going to be looking at spring training invites that otherwise you would have because they're, they're, you know, declining players, but nice players to have on your team leaders, guys with tremendous histories. Um, I mean, Adam Eaton, guys like that, that you would never, a team would have never, I mean, they traded Giolito for Adam Eaton and they just declined his option. He's a free agent. Interestingly enough, I think that, um, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of baseball and followed it for many years, and I saw something I've never seen before. Oh. Man, Renee had us, no. he had us on the edge of our seats there. So when he comes back, Brad he saw... had a had a had. Am I, can you guys hear me? No, you. So we lost you at something you never seen before. Brad, Brad Hand and what the Indians did with him yesterday. Did you guys see that? Yeah, I did not. I did yeah. not. So Brad, Brad Hand had a typically great year, best left-handed reliever in baseball, arguably. The Indians have a club option for $10 million, or if you decline the option, you have to pay him. To see if anybody would take him. And he's, I mean, he's great. He's definitely worth the $10 million under normal circumstances. But, I mean, we're, we are seeing teams contorting themselves desperately to save even $1 million. So what was the amount, Renee? Was it $9 million? We lost you right when you were going to say the, the other option. Uh, one million if you decline the option, ten million if you exercise it, and they put them on waivers to not even have to pay the one million to have some other team take them. Wow. And he's one of the best closers in baseball. That's crazy, right? And I mean, so I mean, clearly he'll be taken by somebody because he's a hell of a steal at ten million. But I mean, this is the these are the lengths to which teams are going to try to save money this next year. And what is the does does Major League Baseball have a plan or an expectation yet for next season? What it, when it might start and what it's going to look like? Because they've ended at right basically their normal time here. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on if we have a true second wave like everybody's anticipating. Um, I mean, baseball has baseball doesn't know. I mean, who knows what spring training's? Right, we've still got a couple months until spring training, so we'll have to. I guess they're going to wait and see. 
yeah, I, I think we're all gonna, I think we're all gonna be waiting and seeing all winter to see what, what, you know, what it looks. Yeah. So, and I guess questions like, are they going to have a bubble or multiple bubbles or just ha- play in the parks like usual, but maybe without crowds? Do, do we have any, any indications there where, where, how they might be leaning it or is it all just up in the air? Synchronized frozen again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an interesting off season for, for all of those reasons. I mean, baseball, it's funny, like as a snapshot at the end of October here, all's well in terms of going forward. They have, they have, they're lined up to have a regular length off season and start back, but I guess we'll, have to see how everything goes over the next few months and, and what the world looks like in late January, early February. But Renee, if you had to guess, what do you think the season looks like when it starts? They try to start in April with or without fans. They will definitely try to have uh, some measure of fans, maybe some reduced number. I think spring training is what's really going to get sacrificed here. I think they'll, they'll play out spring training in a bubble-like situation. Uh, fans won't be able to attend. Certainly no autographs or things like that. I mean, I can't imagine they're going to, they're going to put players at risk uh, for things that they don't get money from. So. Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, Well, but hopefully, hopefully with that, the amount of time between now and then things look different and and we're in a good enough position for, for baseball to, to, to try to, to get us a good season next year, maybe even a full season next year. Um, What, what, what do you think the outlook is? Who do you think the favorite is next year? Is it the Dodgers again? I mean, even objectively, I would have to say the Dodgers just because of how much good young players they have. I mean, even if they were to go into a save money mode, Urias, Bueller, Gratterall, uh, I mean, Dustin May, Gonsolin, I mean, tons of guys who are going to make $500,000 a year into the foreseeable future. Wow. So, I mean, they, they, I mean, uh, Will Smith, Kybert Ruiz, the catcher they've got in the minors, Gavin Lux. I mean, they, they could, I mean, they're, there were some journalists who said that their uh, their squad that was in the bubble during the season, uh, that 60 player. And and Vegas has has the Dodgers as a favorite too. So Vegas agrees with Renee. They're just very flexible. They could play any type of game they want. I mean, they've got so much young talent that they don't even need to get free agents. What about the AL? Do you think the Yankees are the favorite this year? Is it the Rays again? I, I thought the Yankees were the favorite this year. Um, I, I think that they'll, you know, I don't know what happened to them in a short season. It's tough, you know, it's tough to, to judge a team, but uh, I think they'll be back there next year. Severino coming back is huge for them because they need another, they need a legit number two. Yep. yep. Yeah. I mean, they, yep. they've had injury problems constantly now for seasons and in the short season, I think it, it threw them off uh, as well. Uh, ho- hopefully next year, somehow the injury bug will go away however long the season is. And, and Renee and I have talked before about how close we've come recently to a Yankees Dodgers world series. And, and so maybe, maybe we'll get one of those in the next year or so. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that. We're, that would be a dream. we're not going to be getting a Knicks Lakers finals anytime soon. So I think baseball is your best bet. Yeah. Dude, Brooklyn. Family <laughs> Brooklyn Lakers. There you go. Brooklyn Lakers, Brooklyn Clippers. I think when we when we get to basketball, Brooklyn's a team we're going to want to talk about because they had some uh, pretty fun announcements this morning yeah, as well. Sure. Yeah, I mean, speaking of basketball, we're so we're li- we're we're getting close to our first break here, and I think, especially with our resident biggest Heat fan, 
we get, we can definitely get into some basketball here. Uh, and also last week we, we talked in the aftermath of the decision to make two of the starter, but this week we're going to see him take the field right after kickoff. And so that's, that's, that's a big deal. I had a couple thoughts on that, that I think we can touch on before the end of the show. But right now, I think we'll take that first break and we will talk about the Heat and the NBA generally uh, on the other side. You're here. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Here's that song again. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today. Here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve! By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up two Nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking. I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I don't call know. him that. I call him Tunga Vailoa. Whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Flowers are beautiful, but they become even more so when carried by people who are committed to ending Alzheimer's. At the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's, hundreds of thousands carry different colored flowers, signifying their connections to the disease. And we walk so that one day, there will be a white flower for Alzheimer's first survivor. Slam Radio is more than just a radio station, but a family. It's so nice to know that you have a place where you can feel safe, where you can feel comfortable sharing your opinions and not be judged for what you feel like is right or is wrong. I'm very grateful that I've gotten this opportunity to be a part of something big, something historical. It taught me that not only that I matter, but that I have a voice. And the mentors we have here, like Frank the Tank and Amigo, make you love this amazing program even more. There are very few words that can describe Slam Radio. One word that definitely comes to mind is familia, family. We've been offered so many unique opportunities to be a part of something great. I will always be grateful to Slam Radio and everybody a part of Slam Radio. We are a family. They are my family and they will always continue to be my family and I will forever be thankful and I know they got my back just like I got theirs. I love being part of Slam Radio. What's up everybody? This is Spice Adams, Slam Radio, Sirius XM, yeah. 
seemingly is a piece away. You hear them connected to Chris Paul or maybe DeMar DeRozan. Same with Brooklyn and the same, you know, DeMar DeRozan's a guy I've heard mentioned there as well. So I think you're going to see more big name trades rather than free agent signings. Um, DeMar's been linked to the Heat too. He's, he's yeah. boys with Jimmy. I mean, in terms of who's the best unrestricted free agent on the market, Fred Van Fleet, maybe. Uh, you know, he's the first one that yeah, comes that, to mind. That dude, that dude probably lost tens of millions of dollars with this cap. Uh, the Knicks are hot on his trail, supposedly, and I would imagine the Knicks are going to break, break the bank to get a halfway decent point guard. Um, so, you know, I think, no. I think Freddie will be just fine. From the Heat's perspective, I don't think we're going to see a lot of almost anything other than re-signing Gorin. People are, the names that people were talking about, like Wes Matthews. Um, yeah. the, the so how, how do you feel about the Heat just running it back for this season? In terms of, I, I understand strategically what that's for, but what kind of shot do you think that gives them in the East for, for the next season? No, I mean, I, I, I would be okay with them running it back, but I also think there's a few guys available that could make us better without jeopardizing. I mean, we can talk about the, the, the dream type trades that I don't think will happen, but like the Embiid, I wouldn't classify as a dream, but like the big marquee trades of like Embiid shaking loose somehow, um, Giannis shaking loose somehow, Beal shaking loose somehow, like those guys are up next year. And if it looks like they're gone, maybe they try to move them. Out of, or, sorry, Giannis is up next year. Yeah, I was going to say, Beal's under contract now. But right. Giannis, Giannis, the big question, I think we're going to know before the, yeah, we will know before the season starts is whether he takes the, this, the, the max extension or not. If he declines it, then the drama really gets ratcheted. Well, the, the interesting thing is, I think him and Bam share representation. They do. So they're saying that if both Bam and Giannis elect not to extend this offseason, which they both have the ability to, it could be kind of like a sign that they're they're kind of teaming up. Hopefully but, not hopefully not on the Bucks. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I don't even think we're gonna offer Bam the extension. I mean I guess we'll talk to him. We're not gonna upset him, but I think the plan with Bam is like, dude, just stay put. We'll get you next offseason with with another star. Right. And even the thing with Bam is he would be a restricted free agent next offseason. So worst case scenario, we don't even approach him or his agent. We say, we're not even interested in offering you a contract. We can still match anything. So obviously someone would give him a max deal next year. We would still have the ability to match that. So I think the the chance of Bam not being in a Miami Heat uniform for the next five, 10 years are pretty slim. I no, think there is a more machinations than anything. An athletic article circulating that Basically, they said if anyone asked for Bam in a trade, not only would Pat Riley hang up, but he'd curse them out before doing so. So I think that's a pretty good indication that Bam is with the Heat for a while. So let's let's talk about next year's Heat, because I know we're all like really excited for next off seasons for Giannis or Kawhi or whoever, but we've still got another season to play, another finals to run at. Um, and we're talking about kind of the the weak free agent market in the heat's cap situation this year. So I want to know who do you guys think, Randy, you mentioned Wes Matthews. I've heard Paul Millsap. I've heard Serge Ibaka. Is there one or two guys you guys think that would be of particular help to this heat team in, in the sense that, you know, we bring back Oron, we bring back Jay Crowder. I mean, to me, the only guy I, I could see us not bringing back would be Myers Leonard and replacing him with like an Ibaka or a Millsap. Um, no, I, I think that's exactly right. 
we need to get, I think the priorities are either a big, a true big uh, that can space ideally, because Bam won't even look at the basket um, or a guard, a point guard. So like, I don't, I, I've seen some indications that we could make Drew Holiday work without jeopardizing the cap space. That'd be a nice, a really nice get. Like that, that's almost like a dream because Drew Holiday is one of the most underrated players in the league. Well, my question to you is, would you rather have Drew Holiday for one year or Kendrick Nunn at his current salary for several years? Several years, because I think Nunn would have to be the centerpiece of that trade, if not Tyler Hero, which we certainly wouldn't. No, do. we're not. I, I would rather have Drew Holiday, obviously, but if with the wink, wink that he's coming back and he's going to be part of the super team. Okay. Uh, is he up, or didn't he sign an extension with New Orleans or wherever he is? I think he might be up after next, after this coming season. Yeah, I think we need a guard. I mean, I what what, what Goran did for us in the postseason was nice, but we can't forget that he was not our starter. He was our sixth man all the all off season. So we need, and if we think it's Kendrick Nunn, who had flashes in the postseason, so he stood, he could be the guy. But I, I think we need a better defending guard. Otherwise, the, the our bigs like Bam and Jimmy are just had to do so much on the defensive end to make up for for that bat that. Nunn and Gorn can't defend for anything. Hero can't defend for anything. Like we need a good, a, a lockdown guard. And Drew Holiday has two years left on his contract. Oh, yeah, so I thought he carried one more. Okay. So that's even, uh, you know, he's a great player. I'd love to have him on the heat, but that's a difficult situation for us to get but him. In. Everything that I had heard, and I hadn't heard it since the new cap, was that we could bring him in and still have space for a max, for the Maxiana slot. But anyway, I think I think those are the positions like the move, like at the West Matthews, Paul Millsap, Serge Ibaka would be awesome. But I, I don't think I thought there was another big circulating that wasn't a name like Serge Ibaka. Taking it back to Drew Holiday, I had no idea. Can you guys guess how much money he makes? A lot. Twenty six a year. He's, he's going to make twenty five this year and twenty six next year. Yeah, Dang. that's when people were throwing money. Around. Whiteside's probably going to make like thirty nine next year. Yeah. Oof. Congrats to Portland. <laughs> um, we were talking about so the heat. We talked about the Heat and how there's kind of not a lot of moves they're going to make this offseason outside of kind of retaining the core, but there's been a lot of interesting developments, particularly in the East this week in terms of coaching staffs. Uh, we mentioned Brooklyn before the break. I want to talk about that a little bit because this morning it was announced that you know we know Steve Nash is going to be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. He's bringing in as his lead assistant, his former head coach in Phoenix, Mike D'Antoni. I think that's, uh, you know, in addition to Amari Stoudemire, another Phoenix teammate who he's bringing in as an assistant coach. I think that's fascinating. I don't know how well the seven seconds or less are going to work with that Brooklyn team, um, particularly with Kyrie, who just, you know, is very much a score first player. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be a really, really interesting, fun team to watch early in the season. But in terms of kind of their, their ceiling, I, I wonder how Nash, I got to imagine Nash signed off on it, but I got, I got to wonder from like it, it being his first head coaching gig, how it feels to have someone like D'Antoni, like be an assistant, if he feels at all a little slighted by that, unless it was his idea that they felt the need to go get another head coach to be on his staff to kind of, Hold his hand through. I mean, his he already job. he already brought in Jacques Vaughn, who's coached the Mag, who's that coach for the Magic, and he's been around as a lead assistant. So he's got now two former 
head coaches on his staff. And I think that's the right thing to do. Like, you know, when Jason Kidd was in Brooklyn, they tried to do a similar thing with him and Lawrence Frank and Jason Kidd kind of ran him out of town. But I think that's the move when you're hiring these, you know, I think Derek Fisher with the Knicks as poorly as that one. It's smart to have, you know, former head coaches, guys who have been but in like, that time. But I, I like Anthony, it. Anthony was just coaching Houston like last season, right? How long yeah. has he been out of it? Yeah, so D'Antoni's coming off of coaching one of the top three teams in the West, and now he's an assistant like that. I I don't know how how slow all those other transitions were, but I don't know how much D'Antoni's going to like being an assistant when he was just coaching James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Well, now he's he, he's, he's agreeing to this. Though. Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he. I mean, Pat Riley agreed to be to take take a step aside until Shaq came and was about to win a title, and he kicked poor Stan Van Gundy out. And you you think Dan Tony is going in there expecting to try to grab the job from Steve Nash? I that doesn't sound likely to me. I would I would I would hope and assume that not only has Nash signed off on this, but that he's enthusiastic yeah. about it and that they have a good working relationship from their time, you know, in, in Phoenix. So no one is rooting harder for Brooklyn to fail than I am, but this doesn't concern like this doesn't give me uh, encouragement that things might go badly up there. What, what always makes me encouraged about that is that Kyrie Irving is supposed to be their second best player. And, yeah, uh, so how is it going to be when Kyrie's approaching D'Antoni in the huddles and not listening to Nash? I, I could see that, especially because it's Brooklyn, who doesn't have like a strong uh, organizational infrastructure. I, I can just imagine this getting really messy. Yeah, and, and it, what another interesting thing there in response to that is I think that this situation calls for Kevin Durant to put his stamp on everything and to be the guy. And I don't think he's ever been that in terms of being the emotional leader of a team, the, the person who everything begins and ends with. Yeah, I think not Russ... To mention, not to mention he's got, he, he has to come back from a ruptured Achilles. So like he's yeah. going to be dealing... To, in order for him to do that, he's going to have to be the man on the court. Let him let let Kyrie be the the guy on the court that's putting up 25 and 11 assists, and let KD, who's going 12 and 10, trying 12 and six, say something to Kyrie. It it there's just so much potential for just a terrible, terrible situation in Brooklyn. I agree, and I'm thrilled by the prospect. You there's know. another another team we love to hate in Miami that had some significant uh, front office changes recently too. The 76ers. They brought in Doc Rivers as their head coach, which I'm not sure how I feel about. Doc's a very good coach. He's a player's coach, but he's uh, struggled to succeed in the playoffs really since his his big three Boston days. And then they just uh, yesterday, the day prior, brought in Daryl Morey to be their GM or co-GM with Elton Brand, I guess. And so that to me is going to be- I thought, so I I thought there was, I read, had read something about Elton Brand kind of having either a diminished role or maybe no role. Uh, but I, I am nervous about that because they've been linking Shane to uh, to that front office, given his ties with Elton Brand. And uh, he did play with Houston under Maury, I think, for a little bit as well. Shane Battier. That would be, that would be disappointing. Uh, I, and I, I was worried as soon as Maury took that job because I, I think he's smart. I think he knows what he's doing. I think there's no way to see this as anything but a demotion for Elton Brand, though. So yeah. I'm not sure that his ties to Shane would help there. You know, that's just me looking at this from a million miles away. Uh, 
Elton is, is, and I think was, will remain the GM, but Daryl Morey is going to be the president and he's definitely coming in over uh, Elton Brand. So we'll, we'll, we'll see there. Uh, it, I, it's discouraging as a Heat fan just because I, I liked the way things were going in Philadelphia. And you never want to see your struggling rival do something that, you know, bring someone smart in <laughs> to start running things when, when they're vomiting all over themselves. So sure. we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I think this, this makes things harder in the East for the Heat. And I don't yeah, like the, that. The other, the other front office, and we're, we're like in deep NBA cuts here. Um, but the other front office move that, that I was very upset with, and I went off on, on our former assistant coach, Dan Craig, left, made a lateral move to go coach on Ty Lue's staff for the Clippers. Randy, we argued about this earlier in the week. I think you and I have very different viewpoints on this, but continue no, with your and your mind. He's dead to me. <laughs> he made a lateral move to go coach for Ty Lue. What you're mad about is that it's the lateral move. You wouldn't have been mad yeah. if he took a head coaching job somewhere. You don't leave the Heat staff to go be an assistant somewhere. You leave to go be a head coach. Well, okay. No, so let me get to my, my counterpoint to that and consider this. Look, Dan Craig, nothing but respect for him. He's, been, he's a tremendous assistant coach. But, and, he was, and he was linked to a couple of head coaching jobs. He was a finalist for Indiana this year. And personally, I think he probably should have got the job over the Toronto assistant. But regardless, he got offered – okay, he's a lateral move. He got offered a ton of money more to go move to L.A. So all things equal, fine. You know, his heart's in Miami. He got a lot of money. But also he's, I mean, he really is one of the next handful of guys that's next in line to become a head coach. And our, the Miami Heat culture, the Miami Heat system is so well known, so strong that I think in his mind, he felt the need, well, if I'm a year away from being a head coach, I can continue here in Miami and do what I'm used to and watch this team succeed and live in the culture. Or I can go elsewhere and try to put my stamp on another team. And the Clippers to me are one of those, that's the perfect spot because that's a team that maybe more than any other team in the league is the most approved next year. So if he can show himself to be a valuable asset on that coaching staff, like he's done with the Heat within our culture, I think that just vaults him and his resume to the top of the list for head coaching candidates for the following season. So from his perspective, I get it. I understand it. Obviously, I don't like losing him because he's a great coach, but I get it. And I, you know, I respect his decision. The, the theory that I, I read him. and I'm going to adopt it as my own and that makes me like Dan Craig is that he was sent over there to go get in Kawhi's ear so that he comes to the heat, <laughs> which is just the type of diabolical stuff that he would do. So, you know, people talk about Kawhi leaving as one of the, the free agents in 2021. I think he's the most, he's the le least likely to leave of every free agent just because why, he, why do you think that? Well, cause he forced his way out of San Antonio. He went to Toronto where he didn't want to be, but he showed that he is in the conversation for best player in the league. And then he got to handpick his team and he handpicked his hometown team. He handpicked the guy he wanted to play with, Paul George, which may or may not have been the best decision. I just, I just, and Kawhi seems like the kind of guy who once he really sets down roots, isn't going to look to hop around to ring chase like, uh, you know, maybe a certain I thought, well, other I thought player in exactly, LA we know. I thought that's exactly what he was doing is ring chasing and trying to find just another star. Well, and, and I thought the narrative was that Paul George wasn't even his first pick. It was just the one that wanted to join him. I mean, if he's ring chasing and he wants to go home, why not go play with LeBron and Anthony Davis stuff? He had that opportunity. No, I think that's true, but I think he wanted anyone but LeBron. I think he, he wanted like another star to go take on Anthony Davis. And so I, I, there, there was rumors that he reached out to Jimmy Butler first.
um, which yeah. has leads the opening to him wanting to be in Miami with Jimmy. I get that. I mean, I, who I would, I think we'd all love to have Kawhi. I just he doesn't. I, I'm sure. I'm sure much. when Playoff P was uh, not doing great in the playoffs, he wished he had uh, Jimmy Butler on on his on, in his on his team. Or, or so I, I I wonder I wonder about Kawhi and his fit here because Kawhi is a guy who has to be handled gently he, he that's doesn't the narrative now for sure he, he can't play he doesn't play a lot in the off season i mean in the during the regular season he doesn't you know, do back-to-backs he gets a lot of time off even when the playoffs start every year he's dragging his leg behind him he's i i, I think he's rightfully handled softly I don't think that that's how the Heat do things, though. So, no. how would he fit in here? Would, would they be willing to give him what he needs in terms of being coddled through regular seasons? No, maybe I, that's why Jimmy ignored him. He's like, "You're not, you're not built for 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 what I want." Which is funny because his play style on the court seems to fit so well with the Heat culture. He plays hard every possession. He's defense first. He's team oriented. I mean, to me, like his the fit just his skill set on the court. He'd be a perfect fit for our team and our organization. But yeah, you're I right. think he has he has a great PR team because for a while, like the narrative was like that he's like such a nice guy, and now like now that he's in LA, there's like a little, like apparently he would like always be late for team flights because he lived in San Diego, like he was just some big diva out in LA, but that was never like the mo on him. But we should have known when he sat out a whole season, refusing to play because for God knows what some hamstring injury. Well. Yes, I want I want us to pick this back up on the other side because Kawhi is actually pretty fascinating to me. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna come back and talk a little bit more about Kawhi before we we move into Dolphins time. This is the boys on Sirius XM channel one forty five Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found! A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM one four five Slam Radio. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. <laughs> the dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm gonna step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed the drug test, didn't he? And he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door. Which is, he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're gonna knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank is, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that—that's that, uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, seven to eleven, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. To protect her home and family in a disaster, Karen was willing to wade through water, mud, and insurance paperwork. 
Yeah, I can do this. You go, Karen! By simply understanding and updating what her insurance covers and doesn't cover now, she'll be better prepared no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Allison is perfect. I mean, she'd never tell you that. She's humble and perfect. She likes everyone. She even likes her untidy roommate's weird guinea pig. Allison, wait, are you texting and driving? Allison, no, that's the exact opposite of what I was just saying about you. Why, Allison, why? Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities, and there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, que rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Yo, Sway Calloway, Sway in the morning, world famous Wake Up Show MTV. We worldwide. Welcome to Slam Radio. This is where they get busy. All right, I think all the levels are set. Showtime. Now, right now. You're listening to The Boys, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. back here on Slurious XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. This is The Voice. We were wrapping up our conversation about Kawhi Leonard and, and Randy has strong feelings. I wanted him to just finish. I want him to get that off his chest. I, I think of Kawhi as one of the, the real, you know, the biggest of the big dogs in the league. And, and Ra- Ra- Randy is rolling his eyes right now. So Randy, just finish up your thoughts on Kawhi. I mean, he's a good basketball player, but like I, we were ready to crown this guy king. He won the championship. championship. Boris Diaw won a championship too for <laughs> shutting down LeBron. We didn't call him the best player in the world. I'm not exiting this conversation. <laughs> good, but he's not even top ten, probably. That's okay. Randy, Randy just moved into the hot take zone with that one. Scorching, scorching hot take, Randy. If Jimmy's not top ten, I'm not giving Kawhi top ten. All right. Well, we'll we'll let Randy have the final word today on on Kawhi Leonard. So there there it is. It's it's still football season here, and as we talked about at length last week, the Dolphins are going to have a new starting quarterback. It's two a time, and I mean it's finally here. I think we have to wait extra long. Is it's it's a four p.m. start on Sunday? So I know it's one o'clock home game. Oh, it's a one o'clock. Okay, good. I, yep. I thought I thought that, that there was one of the random 
home 4 p.m.s like they, I think they've had already. So I was saying to the guys before, th this is a fun moment if you think about it, because if Tua is who we hope he is, uh, we could be sitting here, this could be one of the last conversations we have before we enter the Tua era. And we could look back, I mean, Tua, this could be it. The he, what if he's the guy for 15 years? Like this is, it. our kids might grow up and think of our kids. And I say our kids when two of the guys on this don't even have kids yet could grow up with this, with Tua as their guy. And, and we could be sitting here, you know, talking about all this stuff right now. And, and the, the universe of the dolphins could be revolving around this guy for the, for the next 15 plus years. Imagine how exciting if he leads the dolphins to the playoffs, which is very, very plausible given yeah. how bad our division is. The division's bad. The team overall has been playing well and he's coming into a spot here where Aaron Donald aside, they could win some games early in his career and and it could admittedly I haven't I haven't really followed the NFL that closely the last couple of years, but who the hell is Aaron Donald and why is he like the second coming of like mean Joe Green? Like I mean all I hear all week is about how this Aaron Donald and what he's I mean what are the guy's numbers? I mean they talk about him as if he's the greatest defensive player ever. He I mean, might what, be the greatest defensive lineman ever to play the game of football. Truly really yeah he's on that level. He and is, just to, uh, Perennial pro bowler. I mean, perennial. How many, years has, how many years has he been playing? He's been in the league, what, since 2010, 2012? He went to Missouri. Um, I mean, Aaron Donald's phenomenal. When the Rams went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, he was the only one who had any impact in the Super Bowl. It was a 13-3, the Patriots won the game. He was the only one who had any impact. I mean, he's watch, – after this, go YouTube some highlights of Aaron Donald. Watch him break a triple team like it's nothing. I mean – Truly, really and truly a first ballot Hall of Famer if he retired tomorrow. Yeah, he went He went to Pitt and he's been in the league since 2014. Uh, he, he just, he's the kind of guy who just blows up offensive lines on play after play. And so sometimes he doesn't get the sack or the tackle, but he just leaves everything in tatters and makes it impossible for offenses to operate. I mean, he reminds me of like, uh, like early 2010s, like peak, Namakang Su when he was on Detroit was just like this monster, this beast. Aaron Donald is like that, but better, more consistent, and done it over a longer period of time. I mean, just a complete, complete game changer. And so that's what I guess makes me a little nervous about this week. But at the same time, it's to his first start. We can't have too high expectations. Um, and like I mentioned on last week's show, I think it's it's a good test for him. Let's let's throw him out there against the best defensive lineman in football and see what he can do. How many Hopefully yards? Cleaner than Indomitian Sue on the field, because otherwise Tua's career might be over. <laughs> a bit cleaner as well. How many yards do you think Tua's going to throw for this weekend? Let's 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 do this. Let's all let's all pick a number, and then we'll see who gets closest to the to the total. Like eight hundred fifty. I'm going to go on the low side just because I think it's going to be a bit of a slugfest. These are two more defensive teams. The Rams. Jalen Ramsey playing. Jalen Ramsey's playing. The Rams have a, a pretty good secondary. Um, obviously, he's the star. I'm gonna I'm gonna say 175 yards passing, but I'm gonna give him another, let's say 40 yards rushing. So 175 and 40 for Tua. How do you feel about that performance? I'd be okay with it. I think you know again we're playing a very good defense. Uh, I think the result of the game is gonna matter a lot more than his numbers. How uh, many TDs? How many TDs? Are? Uh, I'll say two. I'll say two. Two TDs, one interception. He's going to have some growing pains. Um, he'll probably take a couple of bad sacks, I'm sure. Two but... throwing or, sorry, two throwing or how, is he getting a rushing? 
just just all around touch. He might return a punt. You know, he's Superman. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> I, I, sure, I don't know if we're touchdown. expecting him to do a lot of damage on the ground or in the air. He he's shifty enough where he can do damage on the ground. Um, he's not a Lamar Jackson type where he's going to look to run first. I think, and he he doesn't have Kyler. Murray's speed, but I think his temperament is more like Kyler Murray in that he's going to look to throw into the last possible second and then make a play with his feet, but he's not the runner that Kyler is. Randy, what do you I think? think? If, Give us some numbers. I was just going to say, I think if he puts up that stat line, Miami media might be like panicking a little bit. No, 175. This first game. Two touchdowns. First game and a win. Miami media is going to overreact to the first game of, of Tua. I mean, if we win the game, I think that's that's really why we got him, right? So the Dolphins can start winning games. So if we win and against a team that is, you know, well, we're winning games with better than Patrick. We, we need this guy to look like a star. Yes, but I don't think anyone is is going to judge him on his first start unless he, you know, unless he's fumbling the ball and throws three interceptions and two of them are pick sixes. If he if he comes out and is competent, the way that Brett was saying. I think that everyone would continue to say, all right, good start. Let's, let's, let's build on it and, and be happy with the win and being four and three. Right. Like you said, Kiri, this is the beginning of what we hope to be a 15 year, you know, multiple Super Bowl run quarterback. So his first season, let's just, you know, we want to see improvement week to week. I think let's see him make the deep throws. Let's see him I don't know, man. You know, I think throw, like... throw the ball away when he needs to. And just, you know, we want him to play smart, I think more than anything. So he can I think mentally part, handle that. My, my psyche is that part of the reason we're throwing him out there is we're getting heat that Justin Herbert looks amazing. Like, I think they want this guy to look like a star. Yeah, it, and, if, and if that's the reason they're starting him, then all hope is lost and we should just give up. So <laughs> I, I understand as a fan feeling that way, feeling antsy seeing the other guys who went at the top of the draft play so well. But I don't know what they did in their first games. I, I think even Justin Herbert has... It's been a quick ramp up for him. I say that as a, as an owner of, of him on my fantasy team, but I don't think at the very beginning he was he was lining up quite like that. I mean, game one, I, I just want to see him look solid, make some good plays, and see if they can win in pursuit of this playoff spot. Right, and they're, they're good enough uh, in every other regard. Where I mean, he doesn't need to win the game with his arm. I mean, I think that uh, he just has to play smart. I mean, I, I I'd probably say he gets 200 yards passing and one passing touchdown and no interceptions. I take that. I think his decision-making is going to be more important than his statistics, you know, making the right throw, throwing the ball away when Aaron Donald is right up on him. I think that's, that's what I'm looking for mostly is his decision-making rather than, you know, the the statistics. I mean, even if we lose the game, if he's making the right plays and the right reads, nobody expects this team to go to the Super Bowl this year. We just, this is a year for him to learn and get better. I think from like a barbaric standpoint, like I think we do want to see him take a few shots like and, and make sure that he's durable, right? Sure. I think we've he had that too. Tannehill, who's like that. one of the most durable quarterbacks in the league. That dude is getting pounded day in and day out, which is one of the biggest concerns Tua had coming in is, is he durable? So I, I do think we do we need to see him take a few sacks to, to make sure that. And that could help his confidence too once he knows that he can take a hit or two on his, on his knee and get right back up and go to the next play. That's, that's a confidence builder for him in and of itself. I'm going to say, I'm going to say two thirty for him with one pick one and one touchdown. So I think, I think we'll see, I think we'll see him throw it around a little. 
What's like Drew Brees' best stat line ever? I will take like 50 yards less than that and like one TD less. Like <laughs> 600 yards. So Randy wants to see 400 yards in three yeah, or four touchdowns. Yeah, I want touchdowns. him to go out there and just light it up. Well, All right, so. Rams are only a three. I don't know if you guys remember, but that's exactly what Marino's debut was. I don't know. You guys probably weren't alive, but uh, Marino came in with us losing by three touchdowns to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he came in in the second half in relief in that game and promptly threw four touchdown passes and we won the game and that was it oh man i mean but the I imagine. Peyton manning led the nfl in interceptions by a pretty significant margin uh when he was a rookie and you know one of if not the greatest quarterback of all time so i think take, so take the whole rookie year with a grain of salt this might all be destiny because apparently dan marino was also the dolphins were also three and three when dan marino came in and became the starter so okay. Okay. That would be so awesome if Tua just comes out and throws like sixteen. <laughs> if he just lights it up, absolutely on nuts. I'm not even imagining that. But now that I am imagining that, wow. That, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you think the Dolphins cover the three and a half point spread? The Rams are only a three and a half point favorite. Yes. Yeah. Dolphins- I, I got I got the Dolphins winning this game, and and uh, right. yeah, they'll win it by more than a field goal. Randy, sure. Cover three and a half or nine? I would I would take the Tua. Six TDs over a Dolphins win. Like I want that guy to just go out and light it up. That's the most important aspect of this game, to me. Well, I'll tell you my just real quick before we before we go. My lock of the week, uh, as I've told a few people on social media that follow me and follow our show uh, this week, the Colts minus two and a half at the Lions. Lions have one of the worst run defenses in the league. Rookie Jonathan Taylor's been phenomenal this year. I love the Colts minus two and a half. Bang that hard, folks. You heard you heard it here first, everybody. all right so dolphins yeah one o'clock we got the dolphins at one o'clock with Tua on sunday i think it's the biggest story of the weekend and we look forward to discussing it again next week here on the boys thank you everyone for joining us thank you everyone for joining us randy let's let's pick up that attitude (laughs) thank you to frank our producer thank you to larry for for hosting us this is kiri signing off for the boys sirius xm channel 145 slam radio the views and opinions expressed on the boys are entirely those of the hosts guests and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of slam radio